room, you can't move, you can't speak. It's, it's a horrible, horrible feeling. You know, you're looking out into the darkness and then you see a figure, but it's darker than the darkness. I just get this like really creepy feeling and I see this, uh, this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car. She used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and I just was petrified. I remember I saw something fly by my bedroom window. We heard the bathroom door shut. So then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open. So we came around the bend and we saw eye shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. And it had high pointed ears. It had a snout, it had a long arm, and it just it grabbed the deer. Okay, guys, I would like to welcome our next guest, so let's get freaky. We have got Bobby Shue with us tonight. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Very well, thank you, man. I said to you before we start recording, we've got a red weather warning in my area today, so I'm hoping we don't have any problems with the signal, but it should be okay. Uh, it's a bit of rain. That's all it is, really. Some wind. But yeah, man, at the moment, everything seems to be working okay. <laughs> yeah. I like your podcast, by the way, too. So oh, I got thank the... you very much, man. Thank you. Yeah, I think I've listened to about eight episodes. Oh, worth. cool. No, yeah. oh, thanks very yeah. much, man. <laughs> I'm I'm excited to have you on the show. You've got you've got a podcast. Can you tell us a bit about your podcast and and, and what got you into what got you into it? Um, well, it's we just ended the third season. The last episode uh, hosted last night. It was season three, Mystic Talks Countdown to Halloween, back to back episodes, Monday through Friday total of 22 episodes we put to bed and i pulled that season i don't know if we can cuss on here but uh, yeah that's we, fine uh, man yeah you can oh, say okay. your i was just gonna i was just gonna say we i kind of pulled that one out of my ass because when i first initially started the podcast it was um um it it, it ended probably somewhere in the beginning of october it started in the summer the first season and then ended in october um, and then that was when I had the idea. I was like, wow, I wish I had did something to celebrate the, the Halloween, you know, festivities. And, um, so when I started season two, I realized that it ended around, um, August. And so uh, around midway to the end of August. And so I said to myself, I'm just going to do it. And I almost committed to doing a total of 31 episodes, like back to back almost. And then I said, I'm always one of those that push myself to the limit. And I said, you, you gotta, you gotta pull it back. Just do Monday through Friday. And I, cause I recorded maybe like the last week and a half while the uh, first week was running. So wow, uh, I got it all done under a landslide thinking that I had more time than I actually thought, but yeah, I managed <laughs> to pull it off and fair um, play, man. Was, yeah, <laughs> I won't do that again. But, uh, <laughs> the the season's over. Uh, Mystic talk started simply from um, um, it's. You got to go back to. I, I was always an inspiring artist, just as far as uh, as a child actor. I done soaps and um, oh, I wow. done a lot of 
a lot of television commercial work um, as a kid and then all the way into my young adult years living in New York and um, um, got homesick. And uh, after university, I moved back um, home to Texas, uh, which is where I live in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And um, I got involved with I was actually about to move to Chicago. And that was when I met my uh, my ex of eight years. And so uh we were together um we were get, we were together for eight and um towards the end i had my own business for about a year and a half of that uh wanted to buy a home right after we split and i found out that being a business owner it was a lot harder to um to get a home and i had over a year's worth of savings but i knew that that would deplete my savings by putting down what I needed to come up with being self-employed in order to own a home. So I felt myself in kind of this crossroad and my ex and I were, were, were just separating things and I'm crashing on a couch at my mom's house at 32 years old. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, feeling like a deadbeat, you know, and I thought I could go over there and collect the rest of my things without feeling some kind of emotion towards it. And I'm telling you this story because this is what all started my spiritual journey, which eventually led to the podcast. And um, I, when I went into that apartment that we once shared, you know, the things that I took away were then replaced with something else. It was during the holiday season. So, you know, emotions were high. Um, I honestly thought I could go in there and handle it. And then when I got out of there, I was walking back to my, my little Honda Civic and I just started crying and bawling. And I said, and it wasn't so much that it ended, but just his life stayed intact while mine was kind of up in limbo. And it was the first time in a long time because I kind of identified as an agnostic. I went back and forth from identifying as an agnostic to an atheist. I did grow up Southern Baptist. So, um, you know, and, and being gay, that kind of pushed me away from even, you know, because I tried the whole praying the gay away and and it kind of made me, you know, kind of rebel. You know, I didn't want, you know, just I guess you could say I resented God, you know, because it's like you're not doing anything to help me. So I just kind of shut him out. And for years, years, I, uh, you know, denied, denied God. I'm a I'm a uh, I'm not trying to preach on here, but I, I'm a Christian. Um, but, uh, a born again, uh, but I don't preach and I'm not the Orthodox Christian type because I do believe in UFOs and, um, Same and, here, uh, man. I'm with you. Yeah. And <laughs> spirits and all that. And then, and, you know, I kind of believe a little bit more. I know if I'm, I'm going off on a tangent, but I kind of believe a little bit, or I should say I'm a little more open-minded into stories that. I never really put a lot of thought into like Bigfoot and flat earth, but after shit got really weird around 2020, I'm like, anything could be real. hundred <laughs> percent, man. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, um, normal stuff feels more strange than the conspiracy yeah. stuff now. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it does. And when people come out with some of these shadow government conspiracy ideas or thoughts, I, I, I'm like, well, that might be a possibility. I'm not gonna, yeah. I'm not gonna rule it out. Had you yeah. had you asked me this any time before 2020, I would have thought everything was 
sunshines and flowers and all that. Like, oh uh, yeah. I mean, I know there's some corruption, but it can't be that bad, you know. Um, yeah. Um, I was I the same, man. Not... I was the same. Yeah. And 20, then, 2020 um, was the real eye opener for yeah. me as well. And and shamefully enough, I was a diehard liberal with socialist ideas. You couldn't tell me shit, you know, getting real combative. And, you know, and that was also part of the podcast, going through this spiritual awakening and, and realizing that, you know, why are you wasting all your good energy just being mad all the time? Like, it, you know, even though these people may not agree, you know, because I was scared to come out and say, I... I don't believe the same way. You know, I actually am a, a proud patriot. I, um, you know, I um, kind of, I've, I, I've still identify as an independent, but I've moved over more on the Republican side of things, you know, uh, especially after studying history, I learned that there's so much more that I don't know. And I was so ignorant of that before, you know, because I bought into this narrative, this ideology that, you know, uh, us is bad and you know they're they're out to get us they're going to eat their own and 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 it's simply not true it's just one particular group and that's the liberal party and so i i can't i can't stand um for that ideology and i don't believe in manipulating people and um and and just you know they're trying to divide everybody because it's all about divide and conquer yeah 100 man I just wish people would get that through their head that we have more power than they do. And we need to stop really all beliefs aside. I don't care what you believe, but we can at least respect one another. You know, yeah. um, I've learned a lot through this podcast and, and my journey of spirituality that, that, you know, I, you can hate me all you want, but guess what? I'm going to love you back in return. I just, I'm not going to, I'm not going to fight you. I'm not going to, if that's your truth, then so be it. But I'm, I'm not going to allow you to waste my good energy and allow me to uh, treat people disrespectfully, even if you're treating me with disrespect. I mean, we can have a difference in opinion. I can respect yours, you know, but, um, you know, misery loves company at the end of the day. And I just and, yeah. and knowing that I'm not going to allow that to push me over the edge. And I don't watch the news. Uh, and I, I got off of social media for over a year. Uh, when I went through my DUI, which was where my spiritual awakening occurred. But my first, because um, I kind of went off on a tangent, but my first uh, realization to this spirituality was when I walked back to my Honda after going up to my ex's apartment, I got into the vehicle and I just started crying. And the minute I started crying, it just started pouring down rain. And it was during the holidays and I cried to God. I said, God, please. I don't know what direction to turn, if I should look for a new job, if I should, or what I should do. You need to help me. I have, I, I don't know what to do. And I'll be damned if I'm going to stay in an apartment with my mom, sleeping on the couch. I need to do something. And I had actually applied for a job um, while I was with my ex that I got denied twice, got interviewed once. And then someone that worked within the company referred me but that same individual i don't know why he didn't like me you know but i did a impeccable interview i know i did and i i, I knew when i walked away from that interview that i had that job in the bag only to find out a week later i didn't get it and you know you think why me and so um 
speed up to a whole year later, an entire year later. I'm in that Honda. I cry out to God. Literally the next day, I go to my studio space that I was renting in downtown Dallas. Uh, I'm waiting for an appointment. Um, and while I'm waiting there, just out of boredom, I don't even know what compelled me. I checked this old email account of mine that I hadn't checked in over a year. I, I, I was just bored. And I don't know what compelled me out of boredom to go look into this email. But when I did, there was an email that was sent that day, that morning, from that same company that denied me twice for an even better, higher paying position. Wow. And I took that as a sign, like it hit me instantly. And I looked up and I go, thank you, God. <laughs> thank you, wow. God. I mean, I knew um, So that really brought my faith back um, into believing again, because any time I denied God, I felt alone. I literally felt this sense of loneliness that, and, and all I'm going to say is I'm not trying to preach to anybody, but I think it's very valuable and vital to one's um, oneself to believe in something, just to believe in, in, in something higher, um, you know, that's good. And so I got that job um, and then now speed up, like probably a couple years into the job, I meet my now partner, um, we had just moved in together. Um, I was a big drinker. I was a functioning alcoholic. Uh, my drink of choice was wine. And as we all know, winos don't like to call themselves alcoholics. They're just yeah. simply winos. So, <laughs> uh, I would, I, I would drink a good, you know, Malbec and I would, uh, chug away at least two bottles a night. Ooh. Yeah. And you know, it's funny when I went to AA, there were people that were far worse than me. So I felt good about myself when I went to those meetings. I was like, wow, these people were talking about drinking in the morning, noon and night. And, you know, I, I mean, I was a functioning alcoholic. I mean, I only thought about drinking once I was off of work and at the in the comfort of my own home. You know, I didn't go out to drink. It was just in my home. Um, but you know, when I got in that accident, I'm just going to say this, and then I'm going to go into some of the other um, things that I had happened to me as a child. But, you know, my, my relationship with my dad was estranged due to my stepmother, because I think my stepmother was trying to push me and my sister out, um, you know, and um, it all started because they went out on a boating um a boating venture for Father's Day, but they did not invite me or my sister, but they, it was my dad, my stepmother and my stepbrother, his wife and two kids. And so I felt some kind of way about it. And I reacted. Of course, I did have some wine in my system when I reacted. And so I sent her a nasty text, which we haven't talked since. I mean, we tried, but uh, we never were able to recapture that relationship again. Uh, my sister ended up marrying a, um, a woman twice her age and I told her how I felt about her, which, you know, I, I wasn't disrespectful about it, but I said, you know, I, I just think you should give yourself more time and I'll respect this woman because this is your wife, but, um, I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, your dad, your stepmom, your actual mom feel some type of way. She's a narcissist, but, 
you know, what can you do? I said, I just felt the need to tell you because that's important to be truthful with one another. And so we didn't end on bad terms, but rest assured, I mean, we just, we never talked again. And so uh, we haven't talked in about, I don't know, um, for as long as me and my partner have been together. So for about a little over eight years. And yeah. And so I had a situation in those two years of working with that company that I worked for. Uh, There was a a girl, a lady that worked under me, um, a young lady. She worked under me, but she was manipulating my boss into believing that I wasn't doing what I was supposed to be doing because she was committing time fraud, doing all these things. These um, should have been fired. Um, But apparently they had, you know, a little fling going on. So um, there wasn't really much I could do. So all of this led to my accident. You know, just it was so much that I couldn't deal with it, not let alone I had just ran a marathon the, the day before. And so um, I get in my car, you know, I looked at the clock. I still had five minutes before they stopped selling alcohol, thinking I can make it to the local 7-Eleven. And um, the, the arrow turns red, I mean, within a couple seconds. And I just thought I could make it. I was on the phone with my best friend at the time. And then a U-Haul hits my car takes off the engine and it wouldn't be until months later that I actually got to see the camera footage from the, 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 the cop cam footage. It took off the entire engine. There was no engine. So had it just been a hair closer, I could have been paralyzed. I could have died. I didn't realize how, I didn't realize how severe it was because I honestly, I walked out of there with, I mean, pretty much just burns from the airbag and that was it. And so Wow. Um, I did go to jail and uh, that was my first time ever being in trouble. And so at, I'm 34 at this point. And so I'm, I'm feeling pretty low. Um, I'm like, OK, so my partner's probably going to break up with me. I'm going to lose my job. I've just pretty much at this point accepted it. I'm not even I'm not even sad. I don't even know what to feel, but I'm in the detox cell. And I said a prayer and I said, look, Lord, I know this is going to be a long haul, but if I can get through this, because I think one of the roots of drinking for me was I was a worry ward. I was always worried. I was always that kid in school that had to be two steps ahead of all the other kids, because if I didn't, I would fall behind. And I felt the same way when I was in the workplace, like, I didn't stay on top of everything. If everything wasn't perfect, then I'm going to fall behind. And so that was one of them. And I could have sat there and blamed my dad, my stepmother, my sister. But one thing I tell the people on my podcast is that because we also talk about being uh, a better version of yourself. And, you know, I'm not a victim. I could sit there all day long and say it was because of my father, my stepmother, the the chick at work who had it out to get me, uh, my boss. Uh, I could have said all these things, but I made a decision to get behind that wheel. And I made a decision to drink. I own it. I'm not a victim. I, I can't blame anybody but myself. And so what that taught me was I'm not going to allow people to dictate my actions. So that's why I don't let people piss me off. I don't let uh, you know, even comments on social media, because I'm only back on social media simply because I have this podcast 
And everything that I follow has to be positive. Uh, there can't be any politics. Um, anytime I do decide to look up anything political is if I hear it through somebody else and I feel like it's information that I need to hear to be informed, I'll go look at it and then I get off. You know, I, um, I don't spend too much time surfing the web. Um, if anything, I think that it's very detrimental to people's mental health. And that's why we, we have such a mental health crisis. Um, you know, I just recently got a TikTok for Mystic Talk, and I was looking at some of these conspiratorial videos, and I'm thinking, yeah. this is why people are fucking mental. I'm like, because <laughs> I'm I'm stuck. I'm starting to believe this shit because yeah. <laughs> within each 30 second clip or a minute clip, whatever it is, they make total fucking sense. Rather it's yeah. true or not, I can buy it. I'm buying into it, and I said, I got to get off of here. This yeah. is. This and is as, toxic. As we said earlier, anything is possible in this world at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I was just like, you know, and, you know, I never bought too much into the flat earth theory, but I don't know. Some of these people make good references and yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and even those who believe the earth is round, but, you know, you have to ask yourself, have you been out there? You only know what they show you. You, you really don't know. You really yeah. don't know. Yeah, for and sure. I love I love how people just, I'm talking, rather you're a flat earther or you believe the earth is round. None of us know, really. We've yeah. only known what we've been taught. And even if they go into the laws of physics and how this and that, I mean, just like I said, you go on TikTok, well, they can make you believe just about anything, you yeah, know? So 100%. it's not so, that hard to, uh, to do. I'm not a flat earther. I'm not saying I'm, it's not, I don't yeah. know, but. I have talking to people that have legit made me go, do you know what? They've got a great point, <laughs> but I don't yeah. know. I'm, I'm not a flat earther. I wouldn't say I'm not a flat earther, but you know, if you were going to ask me how much I believed in it, I would say probably 60, 40, 60%. I believe the earth is round 40%. That's close. Maybe. Man. Yeah. I mean, maybe, I don't know. And, and like I said, after 2020, I'm like, I don't know what's real anymore. So yeah, that's it. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's literally why I stay off of the internet. Um, I try not to listen to too much or buy into too much, um, you know, but I do believe, well, you know, I mean, pr prove your case. If you have a legitimate case, you can prove it. Uh, I'm not here to do that. I got you. You know, I'm just going to explain it to me like I'm in kindergarten. That's all. Yeah. But, um, but with that said, I had those two instances where, you know, I think God saved me because I had something to do here on earth. And that's really how I look at the world today. Like I said, I'm not the orthodox Christian type. I don't believe in a lot of some of the things that traditional Christians would believe. But what I do believe is when we die, we go to heaven, nirvana, whatever you want to call it. And since we are conscious energy, I believe that we can float around the cosmos, the heavens or what have you for some time with, you know, our parents or grandparents or cousins, siblings, what have you, you know, and then maybe we mix it up and come back all together in another life as either a friend, my mother. We believe that maybe me and my mom, because our relationship is very much like a brother and sister. So um, we have that kind of bond. So I believe that 
we might have very well have been brother and sister in a previous life. Now, my sister, I was a very good brother to her. You know, I I was very territorial of her. I protected her from the bullies on the playground. Uh, she used to pee on herself. So I would always be there to wipe her up, clean her whenever I would. You know, we're seven years apart, but I would go there in the afternoon for daycare until our you know, mom got off of work to come pick us up. And uh, she would have little accidents and I would be there to clean up her puddles. And so... With that said, I don't know what it was, but she was always the only time we ever come together as brother and sister was if we were at, if we were having a good time, meaning we were playing, you know, make believe house or whatever it was or playing Nintendo together. That I mean, that was when we came together. But other than that, you know, she wasn't very affectionate towards me when I would reach out to give her a hug or um, and it makes me wonder if maybe we had, you know, uh had a past in a previous life where, you know, maybe I was very vindictive towards her and maybe that's part of my, my karma is being, is I'm paying it back by receiving this kind of negative attention from her, who knows? But I believe that we're conscious energy. When we come, our body is nothing more than a pod. And then when we leave, you know, it allows us to have this experience to, to, to walk, to see, to touch, to taste, And when we leave it, um, you know, we feel this sensation that we haven't felt in a long time. You know, when a lot of people talk about when they have these life after death experiences, they uh, feel this sense of calmness. They don't feel aches and pains. And that's because they're not in their physical body. And so I think once we go out into the cosmos, you know, you think of eternity, maybe we take it for granted and we feel that we need to come back down to the earth playing field to, to learn more lessons. And, you know, a yeah. lot of people will say, why would I have picked this life? Why would I have chosen to be uh, poor? I think it's the same reason you choose some of the movies you do, you know, some of us like a good tearjerker. And then after we watch it, we're like, why did I do this to myself? You yeah, know, and yeah. self punishment. Yeah. I think that it's something that we, we come here. It's a school. Cause I follow, um, Dolores Cannon a lot. And she talks about, you know, we're, we're conscious energy and how we'll float around the cosmos. And, you know, even certain people, there's a couple of people, I mean, without getting too into detail with this, but there's a couple of people that have intrigued me that have become long-term friends of mine. I don't know what it was about them, but I just had to know them. And we've been friends for, 20 something years now. And so oh, that's cool. I, I think that has something to do with knowing them in my previous life. Yeah. And- it's like when you meet someone for the first time, sometimes for whatever reason, you really click with someone and you, you do feel like you've known them. You say, I feel like I've known you for years, man. And yeah. I wonder if that's something to do with it. I think it, I think it absolutely does. And I think it, kind of similar to deja vu. Yeah. If, um, you know, I feel like when you watch a movie for a trailer, this is how I explain it when deja vu is like you get to see your life play out before you before you accept that role. And I think when you come down here and you kind of and you and you are given free will to change things up, much like a video game. Um, you know, the outcome's always the same, but you might do something a little different. And so I think when you get that deja vu moment, it's much like a trailer to a movie. You know how when you see a trailer 50, 60 times before you commit yourself to going to go see the movie? 
you're like, you finally accept it and you're like, I'm going to go see it. And then you go see it. And then as you're watching it, there's all of a sudden that familiar scene in that movie. And it's, oh, that's from that trailer. Yeah. I think it's something similar unless we also get to come back and relive this life again. And I have my book that I'm going to be working on before my next season, season four. Um, it's very much about, you know, they say with age comes wisdom and it's about me coming back into a parallel and what I would tell my younger self, you know, uh, like the information, I, the information I have now, what I would tell my younger self in order to uh, best serve them. And so um, that should probably be out in sometime in 2024. Um, that's what I'll be working on. Um, and then going into season four, but been working on the book for the past four years. So um, I'm hoping, hoping I'll have it done by the end of the year. And, you know, it's funny when you write a book, it's like, once you're done, you kind of take a look and you go, wow, I did all of this. And then it's kind of like when you clean a room in your house, that has a bunch of junk in it. You know, you start a junk pile, like I'm going to keep this, I'm going to get rid of that. And you, you, you start a pile in the hallway and then you clean the room and you look back and you go, wow, I did this. And then you turn around, you know, it's kind of like now I realize I got to go back and read all this shit, you know, and, look for typos. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about all this. I got to go back and read this now. So it's kind of similar when you clean the house and you look out in that hallway, you're like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this shit. And, and so, um but the kind of going down this spiritual path, it made me reflect on some of my childhood experiences. Um, um, there was one in particular when my parents were still married. My dad was a fireman. He, um, you know, would he would be off 48 hours and he'd work a 24 hour shift. We lived out in the country. And so, for you know, I would I, I never felt safe as a kid being out in the middle of nowhere. If uh, I mean, there were houses, but they were all spread out. And so I felt very um, unsafe without him at the house because it was being my infant sister, and my mom. And so my mom had picked me up from school and I uh, went to a private school. So it was about 30 minutes from our house, a good 30, 40 minutes, depending on traffic. And it's dusk and we're coming back. And, you know, we're laughing, cutting up and listening to music. And then right before we turn on the road that we live on, I get this feeling. I can't explain it, but I was scared. I was literally scared. I didn't know why I was scared, but I didn't want to go home. I was scared to death. I didn't want to go home. But, you know, as a kid, I'm thinking, uh, I don't know why I feel this way. I can't explain it. And so we pull up to the mailbox. Mom gets the mail. Then she pulls into the driveway. And, you know, I'm about six years old, so I can hardly see over the dash, but I can see the silhouette of our vehicle with the headlights shining on the garage. And I noticed that the silhouette of the car becomes larger. And so I kind of knew then that someone's parked behind us. And mind you, it's dusk. It's getting dark, if not already. And I look behind us and there's this man that gets out of the vehicle. And I just remember my mom running back into the vehicle and then she puts the car in reverse and drives through our lawn back onto the main road. And he chases us like a couple miles down the road. Um, and I actually write a, a fictional tale of this in my book too, because it was very 
prevalent and it wouldn't be until my thirties that I brought this back up and I'm going to be 40 this month. And so it wasn't until, um, I started the podcast that I told my mom, you remember when that guy chased us? I said, I want to tell you something. I instinctually felt something bad was going to happen. Like, I mean, I was scared as if it was already happening. Yeah. You knew it was coming. Yeah. And I said, you know, I didn't know how to explain that as a kid, but when I really reflect on that, cause that never left me, you know, why did I, how did I know? I was more obsessed with the fact that I already had that feeling. How did I know before it ever happened? And so I told that to my mom and my mom's always been a big believer. We had a family psychic that we would go to for, uh, she's been in our family for now 30 years. And so, um, you know, my mom's a believer in that and, and she believes it was, something that I, you know, it was instinctual. And um, she, you know, believes that maybe I was tapping into something that, you know, I didn't, that I'm not aware of. And so a similar, another situation happened where, again, my dad's at the firehouse. I don't know, maybe my dad was trying to kill us and get the life yeah. insurance. Money. I was going <laughs> to say, can, can I ask you that man was, did you find out who that was that was chasing you that, that day? Yeah. Actually, it was a guy that lived because um, we lived on this long street. It was called Bachelor Road, and it was a long country road. And there were all like pockets of houses all down these streets. And he was drunk. Come to find out, he he was drunk because he was going to catch his wife with another man. He knew his wife was cheating on him. And so he was just kind of waiting near our house her vehicle she drove a similar vehicle and i oh, believe he thought and so you know my dad threatened him you know like you come near my family again i'll kill you myself and so um but that was the story but i think he was so confused by being so intoxicated that he just he didn't realize that we were somebody else and so um but a, so another similar situation, we were going to bed for the night. Um, and when my dad was at the firehouse, I would crawl in bed with my mom because I wasn't about to sleep. You know, it's weird. I always had a weird, um, a weird fear of it being nighttime and being anywhere near a window, feeling like someone on the outside could see my silhouette and maybe, I don't know, fire a gun and shoot me or. I don't know. I always had a fear of windows uh, at night being near a window or someone peeking in. And yeah. um, and I, and I kind of feel I wonder if anything of that was from my past, my past life. Um, yeah. But we were going to sleep that night. And like I said, everything was fine. We watched some TV, ate dinner, went to bed. Uh, my sister's only a few months old at that time. So she was in her crib. And so at this time, I'm probably about seven and um i'm laying there looking at the ceiling and i said something doesn't feel right and i remembered that feeling i was scared all over again and i was even more scared because i remembered that feeling from before so i was like something's about to happen i i mean i knew that instinctually and there was this eerie tap on the on the door and and also we could hear it from a, like an echo one of the back windows of our house, we could hear someone tapping on it. Like they were trying to get in. And, you know, it was funny. My uncle, for whatever reason, thought to call us 
And so my mom picked up the phone and he headed there to, you know, basically save the day. And um, our neighbor, he was a policeman um, and, and he was off duty, but we didn't think to call him for whatever reason. I don't know. Uh, you know, I was so young. Um, but I remember that was one of the wildest nights. I remember they were chasing them back and forth. There was six men trying to break into our house that night. Six men. And so my uncle, when he first got there, he walked the perimeter of the house and he noticed that there were footsteps. And, you know, we had a trampoline in the backyard. So those footsteps could have been me and the neighbor kids from earlier that day. Um, but we walked the perimeter with him. And there's all these between the pockets of houses, there's like these tall grassy fields. And I guess that's where they were. They were uh, stationed somewhere in there with their vehicle. Um, and I could hear it wasn't music. It sounded like advertisements, commercials. So I guess they had the radio up loud. And I remember hearing that. I'm thinking, is that coming from our neighbor's house? And then all of a sudden guns go off, like just guns firing in the air. And so we run back into the house and there's this wild chase. It was a wild night, but I was just glad that there were all these men, you know, like out to, uh, I'm talking about the good men, not the bad yeah, men, but yeah. the, the, you know, my, my uncle, the neighbor got involved. The cops finally showed up. So wow, at that man. moment, at that moment, I felt that we're safe. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're, we're safe. And so I, I could never understand how did I know? I mean, I didn't know initially what was going to happen, but I knew enough. It, something bad was about yeah. to happen. You got a bad um, sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I've mentioned this to Deborah, but before those two incidents, I had to have been about um, four or five years old, four or five. And they, um, I call them night terrors, but not in the way that others would um, would say, uh, or not what you would normally think of a night terror. I mean, an actual legitimate night terror. So it happened at night and something happened. And I don't believe it was me being half awake and half asleep. I, I, cause I physically remember waking up, I saw, and this was in an older house we lived in before the other house where we got chased and um, almost broken into. Uh, it was before that house. We lived in this much older home and my bedroom was towards the back of the house. And I had this big window and there were two like shadow figures outside the window. I wake up and they're facing each other. I mean, and they're huge. They had to be maybe like eight feet, nine feet tall. Um, I mean, and depending on where they were standing, but they were standing relatively close to the window because I could hear them clearly. And they said, <laughs> um, one of them said something along the lines of, do you think he knows uh, that we're here? I knew that they were talking about me. I, I don't know word for word, but it was about me. And I woke up and saw them and it was literally at least a couple minutes because I was just frozen in my bed until I started hearing them talk. And it was a deep, heavy voice. Um, I jumped out of bed and went into my mom's room. Now, here's the thing. I remember now I might be 40 years old, but I can still remember like it was yesterday vividly. I woke up. I saw it froze in my bed. 
I mean, I, re I mean, I remember my toes curling and, and, you know, a little bit of the body sweat because I'm trying to cover myself with the, uh, with the covers, the comforter, what have you. And, um, they utter those few words. And then I just made a beeline out of that room into my parents' bed. Um, and you know, what just irked me was like, I remember yelling at them, telling them somebody's outside my bedroom, somebody's outside my bedroom. You need to go check. Neither one of them got up. It was like they were just dead asleep. Nobody got up. I don't know what that was about, but I remember I fell asleep that night in that room. I woke up to those shadow figures. And then the next morning I'm in their bedroom. So it, to me, it had to have happened. Yeah. And there was the, the second one. My dad, uh, he wasn't yet a fireman. He was actually an overnight uh, grocery stocker at a local grocery store. Um, he was working an overnight. And I wake up and go to the fridge. And my mom's in her room. And there was this one room in the house. Because like I said, it was an old house. There was like this oddball room uh, um, off side of the kitchen. Um, it was just rather long. I mean, it could have been like a den, a family room, a game room or something, but I just remember it being very dark and gloomy. Uh, you could exit the front of the house from that room and you could also exit the back of the house from that room. And you could also go to the garage from that room. And so, um, you know, I had all those wooden panels on there. It was one of those, uh, just old, just, uh, just grungy dark rooms i don't know I mean, it it had a bad energy vibe to it for me and i didn't have a problem being in there with all the lights on um or being in there with someone else but i would never be in there in the dark by myself i just had something about that room that turned me off i would not go in there uh you know maybe it's just kids intuition i don't know but I get up from my bed, I go to the kitchen, I open the fridge, and I hear this eerie, it, it almost sounded like a vacuum, a vacuum cleaner being turned on, uh, but very eerie. And I'm looking in the room because that's where it's coming from, that, that, that room that was off from the kitchen. And like I said, looking in there, it's dark, it's pitch black in there. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what the hell this thing was, but it stood on its side, almost like a suitcase, like vertical, you know, sitting up vertically. And it's made of, it looked like a, like a saddle leather, but it wasn't a suitcase. It was like saddle leather. Um, it, it, it looked like it had maybe, I don't know, piping around the sides of the same, uh, same leather. And I remember a cord, it was hooked up to something and it just comes out of the room and it has that sound to it, like a vacuum. And it looks like it sees me because it starts coming towards me. And I take off running into my mom's room. That, that sound becomes so intense and I start screaming to my mom to wake up. She won't wake up. I see that thing. You know, it's dark in my mom's room, but there's a light out in the hallway. So that thing makes its way into my mom's bedroom. And I just black out. I just black out. And the next morning, I never had a problem sleeping in my own bed. So it was funny that that next morning, once again, I'm in her room. And 
how did you not hear that that vacuum like sound? Um, and, and why didn't you wake up and, 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 and turn around just to see what I was seeing? And uh, we never discussed it. But I had brought that up uh, as a kid, even when I was a teenager. I said, do you remember a time she has no clue? And um, I brought up both instances and nobody seems to know anything. And it's always, always my grandma's shoe. She actually lived in the house across. So it's like College Street. Our house is facing college. And then right here is Second Street. My grandmother was on the first house on Second Street. So anytime she lived there up until um, she had to go to a nursing home in her uh, in her late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but I remember when we saw the house, got into the new house, anytime they had to drop me off and I had to be watched by my grandma's shoe, I had this just eerie fascination with that house. Like what's in there? Like what, what happened? I, I was always, and I actually, you know how kids back in those days, it was easy to make friends. You know, you just kind of, you know, ask the other kid, Hey, you want to play? And you know, you, you make a friend. And so I, I saw a boy over there playing and he looked like he might've been about my age. And I asked him if he wanted to play, but I really only asked him because I wanted to go back in that house. And so I, I made friends with him just so I could go back <laughs> in that house. And, and, you know, when I went in there, I, I mean, I was like, well, I mean, it seems normal. Um, I don't know if I would ever want to live here again, but it's, you know, I just, I had to go back in there, just something about going back in there. And, it still kind of weirded me out, but maybe it's because I didn't feel alone. There were multiple people in that house, the mother, the father, the two kids, and nothing felt threatening. But I had this weird obsession with always wanting to know what was going on inside that house. And I'll probably never know, but... Um, it in, man. What do you, what do you yeah, think that was? And, what, that, that In the second incident, when that vacuum thing was coming toward what what do you think that was i have i honestly have no idea but i always you know i've always looked for words to describe it and i finally just kind of sat down one day and said how am i going to describe this in my book and i'm like you know it did look like it was made of leather or at least that's what it appeared i wouldn't get close to it but it was just that sound and like i said it wasn't like a vacuum cleaner it had a eerie eerie I mean, vacuum like that's the only way I know how to describe it, sound yeah. to it. It's very, very high pitch, uh, enough to scare the shit out of you because when it came in there, it looked like it didn't see me just yet. And then it all of a sudden, I guess because I reacted to it, it saw me. And then so it's like, oh, there you are. And then it turns and then it starts coming towards me. And was that was that floating? What's that? Was it floating? I think it was somewhat levitating, like it was touching the floor, but it wasn't on like wheels. It was just kind of swifting on the floor. And, and it was just, um, but I mean, I remember that even at 40 years old, I still remember that like it was yesterday. And, um, and it kills me that I don't know. I want to know, like yeah. I, I want to know. And funny enough, just here recently, I had an incident that happened to me. Um, we, um, 
we were members of this one church. Uh, it was a small congregation, but we were like a family at that church. Um, and like I said, it wasn't a lot of us, but um, there's a lady named Judy Keithley, and she had a son named Brian Keithley. She also had two daughters. He, he was the youngest out of uh, the two girls. And so it was two girls and a boy that she had. Um, Brian was, um, I want to say, yeah, about four years older than me. Um, you know, we had gone to church camp together. I mean, we never really played together, um, but just had few interactions because, you know, when you're four years difference in kids time is very different, you know? So, yeah. you know, he was, when I, when I saw him, I always looked at him as like an older kid, you know? So, um, but anyway, uh, when he died, he died in 1998 from a car accident. Um, and he was 18. And at that time I was 14. Uh, we hadn't gone back to that church in years, but my, uh, my uncles, my mom's two brothers, they, um, always stayed in touch with everybody. I mean, they were like a family with that church. So, um, we always knew what was going on in everyone's life. Cause honestly, it really wasn't, I, I think there might've been less than 50 in that entire congregation or, or less than a hundred. So, um, <laughs> you know, between all the families, but Judy's son was killed in a car accident on a rainy night. I remember that. I remember my uncle coming over and, and telling us because he had just left her house after getting the news. And I think it hit all of us because if you had met this guy, I mean, this has nothing to do with gay or straight, but he was, he was a gorgeous, gorgeous guy. And not only was he gorgeous on the outside, but inside too. And like, he was one of those that you would gravitate to because he, he just had a really good energy about him. Uh, he was just that friend you wanted to have on your side. Yeah. Um, you know, like that, that was the kind of energy and kind of guy he was. But um, just recently, mind you, that was back in 98. I hadn't thought about that shit in years. And so this happened um, last Friday. I get home, um, my dogs and I, uh, I go walk them and I was really beat. I was really sleepy, tired. I just wanted to go and lay down. Uh, my dogs, they sleep in a crate because I don't trust them being out, but occasionally they get a free pass. And so I said, you know what? I'm going to lay here on this couch. It's the only couch that they're allowed to be on. And so, um, and, and they're so clingy too that, so they don't like to leave my side. So, we slept here on this couch together and um, it was about seven 30. I, I mean, literally an early night, seven 30 um, fell asleep. I had this dream about Judy Keithley and it was the same scenario when my mom opened the door to our apartment and my uncle was standing there in the rain and told us the news that Brian had died, except in this dream, it was Judy standing there crying. Uh, she was wearing a white two piece outfit with gold buttons and we bring her in the house because she's drenched in water from the rain and she's crying and she's blaming herself for the uh the the car accident and mind you i have never learned what actually happened you know 
that night? Like, why did he get behind the wheel? Was he drunk? Uh, what happened before he got in this accident? I don't know anything. So I'm kind of trying to put the pieces together because this is very eerie now. I, um, in this dream, she talks about her husband, which I confirmed later with my mom that he did have an affair with a stripper. In the dream, this woman was very skimpy dressed, like like a mini skirt, halter top. In the dream, I didn't know any of this. And I remember in my dream thinking, she's kind of young for him, kind of slutty. And they lived in this big, beautiful house. I mean, it was a, I mean, this is Brian's stepdad, but nonetheless, they're in a mansion, you know, uh, because at church, we always knew them as, you know, the rich family. So, um, so he left Judy for literally a, a stripper. And so um, in the dream, I saw that. Um, and you know, it's funny. I dreamed about being at their house. So we take Judy back to the house. I had never been in this house. But there's a stair, a stairway uh, that's in the center of the foyer that goes up and then splits off into, do into two different staircases. Beautiful, beautiful. I actually looked up that house and it's the same from my dream. I mean, instantly I saw it and I just confirmed that just yesterday. I just, wow, because man. I couldn't, everything that happened, what I'm about to tell you, like I could not, even now I couldn't get it out of my mind. So just yesterday I looked up that house trying to find it because I remember it was in a part of the, the area that we lived in DeSoto which is a subdivision uh, south of Dallas. Um, there, it was on the streets called Pleasant Run, and Pleasant Run is this long, long, busy street. Um, we lived on Pleasant Run, but if you go further, probably about 10 miles out on Pleasant Run, that's literally how long this road is. There's mansions out there. There's all these beautiful homes. Uh, so it's like a night and day difference on that one strip, that one street. And so... Um, I saw that it was on Zello and I went on there, saw the house and they had 41 photos on there. And I looked and I said, that's that stairway. And then in the dream, when she confronts her husband and that woman standing there, we're in their bedroom. I saw the bedroom. I said, I know this. Like, you know how, when you know something like I've been here. So I was in there in that dream. So funny enough, I wake up from that dream and I look over and I have, um, I don't even know if you can see it, see them, but I have these lights all over my room, like just regular hanging lights. So when I turn this light off, um, when I turn this light off, there's a, there's a nice glow. I mean, I can see in this room when the main light is off. And plus I have this lamp that changes colors. So there's vivid light. And then across the way, there's a closet where the dog's crates are. The lights, the light was on. And so I turn, there's somebody standing there and it's Brian. And Brian has on a, a Navy shirt. It looks like it was like an American Eagle. Now I can't be sure about the logo, but like American Eagle type of logo shirt. Cause it looked like he had one of those established in Blase Blase, you know, not 18, whatever the company was founded. Um, I can't be too clear, but it was a Navy shirt. At least that's what it looked like in, in, in the light, but there was some logo. It was probably, it, it looked like a shirt that was made to look vintage. Uh, so it was just this t-shirt made to look vintage. Uh, 
probably some light denim pants. And at this point, I could be guessing on the pants part. I don't know. But I just, because I'm staring at him in the face. His face looks very refined, looks very fresh and, and like he's, you know, just rested. And so uh, he, he always had his hair parted, clean cut. And I'm here on this couch to sleep with the dogs. And I look at him. I'm looking at him and he says to me, my birthday's August 30th. And I looked at him and I go, okay. And I, I, I said that as if it was no big deal because I've never had anything like this other than those night terrors, which, you know, I was a kid, but be 40 something years old. I had this dream. I wake up from it. I can see him standing right there. And he says, my birthday is August 30th. I go, okay. And, and I say it like no big deal because I'm like, who are you? I mean, I know who it is, but is that who it is? You know, it, I just, I didn't know what to think of it. So I just turned around on the couch like, and I'm almost spanking it to him. Like, oh, I'm so, you know, sleepy. I'm gonna close these eyes and turn around. And I'm turning around and I'm just like, I'm like, is this happening? And so I just close my eyes and I go, I just counted three in my head. And then I open them and I just kind of face the couch, you know, just for a, like another minute, maybe two minutes. And I'm trying to listen to, to see what I hear and I don't hear anything. So I turn around, he's not there anymore. Wow. But I know for certain I did not fall back to sleep. And I didn't know when his birthday. So I remembered August 30th. I went to go look up that tombstone. His birthday was August 30th. He was born in 1979, August 30th. And I don't know what he was trying to tell me, what that dream meant. But I do know that my mom had went to, uh, the name of the congregation was Rolling Hills Baptist Church. So they had a Rolling Hills reunion and all members of the congregation came and she said that Judy seemed to be in good spirit. And this was literally about a month ago. Um, I would have went, but I had some obligations that weekend that I had to attend to that I already, that I already pre-committed to. So, um, cause I remember telling my mom, Oh, I would have went to that, but you want to hear the eeriest part just because if people think I'm BSing, so just to kind of prove that there's a little proof in this, that I'm not lying. Cause you know, sometimes you, you, you hear these stories and you think, are they making it up? You know, cause I'm telling you, I did not fall asleep. I saw what I saw, believe me or not. I mean that to physically see someone in your house and you're like, dude, am I fucking dreaming? I mean, but I don't, I want to be kind of calm and cool too. Cause I was a kind of a, a slum kid, you know, it's a street kid to some degree, you know, like, when you're raised in the hood, you know, you learn how to react to shit, you know, like, yeah. you know, like play it cool. Cause if you show fear, you know, it, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be bad. So yeah. you don't want to yeah. show any fear. That's, th that's the game I was playing. Well, here, this is the, the next year part. So this is Saturday now. So seven 30 at night, a crash Friday we're just going to say a dream quote unquote air quotes. Uh, we're going to call it a dream. It was probably about, I'm thinking about this dream all day. I'm cleaning the house. I'm thinking about it all day. 
um, my partner had asked me to go to a Halloween party. Uh, and I told him he's, it was a Halloween um, house party. And he said he would pick me up later in the day because he, he's a mechanic. So he does some like side hustle work outside of the, his actual job. So he was around doing that and uh, he was going to pick me up probably about later that night, like late about eight or nine that night. So it was probably about five or six in the evening. And I text my mom. I said, you know, I had a strange dream last night about Judy and Brian Keithley. My mom texts me back and she said, you're shitting me. I had a dream about Judy Keithley last night too. So my mom had a dream about Judy Keithley that same night. So we both had a dream about her and we couldn't shake it, except mine was a little more of a visitation. And I told her and my mom, you know, when she said, because my mom and I have always had this kind of synchronicity where we would be thinking the same thing. I mean, something as small as I'm just I mean, I remember one time we made a big deal about this, but it was so random. Like we were in the car, we see a gas station. I said, you know what I'm craving? I'm craving a payday. And she looks at me. She's like, me too. Like, I mean, we would always be synchronized that way. And then yeah. if there was a cer certain song that came on the radio, we might start humming at the same time or we, we did a lot of that. I mean, even now we still do that. So we're always very much on the same uh, frequency yeah and it, it, it's it's really weird but that wow. really kind of validated that whole incident was she had a dream same night all that happened to me she had a dream and i almost didn't even text her and and to tell her about it because i'm there's part of me that wants to believe that happened but there's you know, and I and, and I kind of makes me wonder too, which is kind of hypocritical of me considering mystic talk is all about going from 3D into 5D, you know, bringing and connecting the dots. And then now that I'm kind of becoming more open and receptive to this, it's almost like, do I really want to? Uh, you know, it, it's, it, it's, I'm kind of getting little dosage. I've been telling, uh, I think you had 305 Paranormal. I listened to that episode yeah. of yours. Uh, good stuff. I listened to Deborah that you had, um, Paranormal Paradigm. So I posted about this on an episode. Uh, I do what's called a snippet episode, which is if I have an idea or something just, you know, at random, I call it a snippet. Like I got to post this. And so I do it. It doesn't have to be in season, can be out of season. And so I did it. And I tagged them in the post and said, I want your expert opinion on this. And so Deborah thinks it could be me that I have a gift to be a medium. And it's funny because I haven't gotten back to her yet, but my mom, one of our family, our family psychics said that, that I had the gift to be a medium. And so I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you, that's what that is. Do you feel like you're opening yourself up more? And the more you potentially open yourself up, the more you're going to start seeing. I do. And I'm going to tell you something else. Because uh, I almost forgot this. This is so important. Um, I was very close to my mom's mother, my grandma Humphrey. And this is no, uh, uh, this is no disrespect to my mom because my mom and I are like best friends. Uh, 
I, I don't know if you have, but maybe your listeners um, might know this movie because we're very pop culture in our family. And so, especially when it's eighties and nineties. And so um, there was one of our favorite childhood movies. It's called mermaids with Cher, Winona Ryder, Christina Ritchie. And so I'm not sure uh, it came that. out, I think it came out in 1990, but it's, it's, it's worth the watch. It's an Orion film. Um, but I describe that as my childhood there is that my mother is Cher, I'm Winona and my sister is Christina Ritchie because, you know, Winona is kind of always taking care of Christina Ritchie. And it's not that Cher is not a mom. She is a mom. She takes, she takes care of the house. Uh, she's raising her family, but, um, you know, she's kind of that sexy mom type, you know, like cares about appearances and, you know, and, you know, my grandma, I think I catered to her because she was more of that, that mother figure that did the domestic stuff, the cookies, the, you know, the pies, there was always something sweet to eat at her house. There was always food there, like home cooked food. And, you know, my my mom, no disrespect, her version of cooking is defrosting, you know, so um, well, that, that's, <laughs> yeah. If, and, and so, you know, I always had this, this uh, close bond with my grandma Humphrey and I'm, I miss, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think of her, but I, I have a lot of her mannerisms and a lot of her qualities, even my mom, it makes me feel good about myself when my mom tells me, she goes, when I, I was standing there cooking for us for Thanksgiving, and she says, she goes, you know how you put your hand on the back of your hip um, at the bottom of your waist? She goes, and you're moving that skillet. And she goes, your grandma used to cook just like that. And I go, really? And so it's kind of a, a pride thing, you know, because that's my, that I, I love that woman. I, I miss her terribly. And so, um, you know, I was very heartbroken when she died and it's been well over 10 years now that she's been gone. Uh, so, um, but you know, we would sit around, talk, drink coffee together. And, and I mean, I drink coffee since I was six. So if not younger than that, I mean, that's what we did in our family was drink coffee. Um, and I think that's, I'm six, three. So I think it's a complete myth to say it stunts your growth. So, you know, <laughs> I think it's okay for kids to drink coffee, but I wanted to say this is that she, she contacts me all the time. She, that much I do know for fact, because she was a big Elvis fan and I don't have Elvis on my playlist by any means, but there's a particular song. It was her favorite. It's called suspicious minds by Elvis. Yeah. And I could be listening to, uh, because I listen, I, I really don't listen to anything past 2005 or 2006. So everything pretty much stays in the eighties or nineties. Um, I don't care for music today, unless it's like folk music. Um, I tend to gravitate to more of that these days, if it's going to be something past 2006. But um, I remember listening to Nirvana and listening to some Alice in Chain. And then in the middle of that, and it's just populating that type of music. So where does suspicious minds come in? You know? Yeah. And then I one time I'm listening to more of the nineties, uh, early nineties pop, like uh Taylor Dane, uh, um, I forget who sings that song, uh Tom's Diner song, but it was more of that type of nineties, that early nineties. Um, and then all of a sudden suspicious minds comes on. 
And every time it does it in that moment, I have a strong thought about my grandmother. Like I think of, you know, I could be making something for dinner. I would think she'd be proud of me right now for making my own meal. And then that song plays. Wow. And then I remember my partner, I told him about it. We're in the car one day. And like I said, we're listening to some eighties hip hop in the midst of eighties hip hop. That song comes in and he goes, that's your grandma. It is. And I had my sunglasses on. I had my sunglasses on. So I was crying a little bit inside, you know, I don't like to show my emotion. You know, I like to keep that private. So, you know, when it plays, I get a little teary eyed because I know without a shadow of a doubt, she's, she's talking to me. And I've, and I've had that same thing happen to me with a friend of mine um, that I met in community theater. Uh, we were doing the Titanic aftermath play. Uh, her name was Martha, Martha Sela. And like I told you, you now I did, it was a child actor and all that. And she uh, was in the play she eventually had to drop out due to her uh, diabetes. Uh, it, it was causing her not to memorize her lines. She she was trying to get back into acting after so many years of being away from it. Uh, but her daughter volunteered behind the scenes and her name was Stacy. But something about Martha, it was her look. She had like this porcelain white skin and this jet black hair. She almost looked like Mrs. White from the movie Clue. And so... There's just something very mysterious, like you want to know this woman. And so I made it a point. Um, she almost had like a modern goth look to her, you know, without even trying, without even trying. And so I would go to her house because I, I didn't know this until later, but I would go to her house unannounced because, you know, you didn't have cell phones and everything. So you know, you would show up to people's house unannounced sometimes. I mean, that's just what she did. So I would go there unannounced and I smelled weed and we started became we started smoking weed together. So it was great because I didn't I was like, hey, she didn't realize that I could smell that. And I said, You smoke weed? And she goes, Yeah. I said, All right. So we would smoke a bowl together and um and her, you know, daughter, she'd smoke with us, but it wasn't until um the movie serving Sarah. I don't know if you know, it's with Matthew Perry, Elizabeth Hurley. And, sure. um, uh, they filmed part of that in Fort worth. And so we were on the set for that. We're just doing extra work for five days and it's the monster truck scene. And a lot of that industry, especially in acting, if you're, especially if you're an extra too, it's a lot of it's waiting around, just sitting and waiting around 12 hour day. It was a 12 hour day, five days a week. Uh, I only paid like $75, but you know, you do it cause you love it. And so it's just something about that, watching the equipment bring, being brought in and you know, the, the crew and I mean, just everything. I just love just the atmosphere of filmmaking itself, like creating something. And so we're sitting there, me and her daughter, this is the first time she and I actually really connected. And we started talking about how we wanted to make our own movie. And so I was working at a dry cleaners at that time uh, after school. And so I saved up about a thousand dollars and bought a camera. And back then, you know, you didn't have the editing software like you did. So we didn't know how we we're going to get this film edited. But um, as long as we had it on film, we were good. Uh, we, unfortunately, we never got it done, but we did manage to do other projects in the near future. But um, 
A couple of other instances that happened to me, uh, I'll try to make them quick, but there was a guy that we asked to help us with the film project. We were going to do, um, uh, it was called Teen Mutilation. We were going to do kind of like a feature film, but with multiple stories. And really what this was all about was just getting a film off the runway. That was it. So I didn't want to write a full script by myself. So I brought him along and said, look, you do a, at least, you know, 50 pages of a script. I'll do 50. Stacy, you do 50. And we'll make it into a feature. And we'll say it's three different stories all in one. And so we did that. And I gave him a scenario. He wrote it. Um, but, you know, we didn't know what we were doing. And so he asked me if he could take that project and do something else with it. And you know what? I was kind of relieved because I had a hard time with Stacy getting her to commit because uh, she was going through a lot of emotional issues, you know, how teenagers are, because we were only like 16, 17, uh, just a weird period in life. And, you know, I was highly motivated where, you know, she was just pretty much at that stage in her life, just all talk. So he goes off and actually does amazing things with this film as a short, as a short feature film. And it, it wins prizes at Deep Ellum Film Festival. And I felt kind of betrayed. And, and, you know, this just has to do with more jealousy. I didn't realize it at the time, but that was more of my ego than anything else. But um, we kind of became rivals at that time. And it wouldn't be until my 30s, looking back on that situation, that I said, he rightfully asked me, if he could take that project away, why should I feel any type of way? And I think it was because when we did the casting for that film, one of the girls that he cast, I knew she came from money. And I remember him saying something about she was going to put part of the funding for his film. And I knew he saw me over here struggling to get Stacy's ass in gear, you know, to like, come on, let's go, let's do this. You know, I was juggling a lot. I knew he could see that. And even though Stacy was a friend that I was loyal to, but had he pulled me aside and said, look, this is the deal. You can't rely on her. You want to get this done. Let's make it happen. I want, I want to take you over here. I think I felt more betrayed in that sense. Like, I know you must've seen my passion, you know, and I'm pulling the weight for me and this other chick that won't help me. You know, she got better. We did eventually do other projects and submit them to festivals, but it, that it was, it was a long time before she actually got her ass into gear and, and to help me with these things. So there was a bit of resentment. So I had a dream about him one night that we made amends and it was during COVID during 2020 lockdown. I think it was like August of 2020. Um, hadn't thought of him in years, but had a pleasant dream. We were on a beach and we were talking, shooting the shit. And I said, you know, I'm sorry about everything that happened, that I blamed you for all those years. I said, looking back on it, I think it was more of my ego feeling hurt that you became a success before I did because I wanted it so much. I wanted so much to be known in that in that world because I, I love everything about filmmaking. Like I wanted to be part of that of that arena. And yet he managed to win an Emmy. Um his name is Ash Christian. His name is Ash Christian. If you want to look him up, he won an Emmy. 
He's done some television, uh, indie films. He was known for a film called Fat Girls. Um, um, he's good friends with a lot of, you know, uh, I wouldn't call them, maybe they're A-listers, A or B-listers, like Thora Birch uh, from uh, American Beauty. They were good friends, but we're on this beach in the dream, and I'm, and I'm apologizing to him, uh, telling him that, you know, I don't care about anything else. I just wish we could have been good friends. And he goes, yeah, same here. He goes, I wish we could have too. And I remember waking up thinking that was such a good dream. So I Googled him, you know, just kind of, I guess you could say um, internet stalking and come to find out he had passed, passed away a week earlier. And he passed away in Puerto Vallarta on a beach. Well, not on the beach, but in his hotel at the resort. Yeah. And you know what's funny? The the resort that he passed away in was called Rio Viarda. When my ex and I broke up of eight years, I spent a week at Rio Viarda with one with this uh, guy I was seeing long distance in Montreal. We had spent a week there at that same resort. Wow. So I'm just saying that there's so many yeah, man. type of moments and because i thought of him that happened and an another thing that happened this this uh, girl norma jean norma jean eden her sister paula and patsy i used to play with her sister paula uh we used to run around the streets barefoot climbing trees and shit and um just very country kids and getting into shit and uh I mean, we were I, some of my best memories with those girls was uh, I remember she thought she was going to get some rollerblades for Christmas. And when her mom went to work, they were so poor that they didn't have an actual lock on their door. They used the kitchen knife to push it through the door to keep the door locked. And so, you know, it's even though they were dirt poor, it's those moments that make life worth living, you know, like to, to look back and talk about those things because yeah. We, my specific memory of, of those two was uh, Norma and Paulo. It was during Christmas. She pulls, Norma helps her pull the present out from the back of the tree. But like the Tasmanian devil she was, she just rips into that, that, that gift. And she goes, Paula, I don't even know if we have paper to wrap this shit back up with. And uh, so we took a sample of it. And mind you, the oldest one in the group is Norma. She's 13. And so Paula's like nine, I'm 10. We get in one of the vehicles that was out back and we're driving across town like 13, 10. Like it, was, it wasn't uncommon for us as 10, 12 year old, 13, getting behind a wheel. So we did, found the paper. But I meant to say is Norma passed away too. And I had a dream about her um, prior to her. Uh, prior to finding out that she did pass, I had a dream about her. Um, we were walking down that same street that she lived on and that my grandma lived on. Uh, and she just kind of looks back at me. It was almost picturesque, like cin cinematic. And she looks back at me. She had she was uh, uh, she had red hair, uh, freckles. And she turns back and looks at me and her hair is just kind of like coming across her face. Um and, you know, she just looks at me and smile. And that was all I remembered from the dream. And until I looked and found out that she had passed, 
And, um, and then one other instance was I worked for Saks Fifth Avenue for six years in Dallas. Um, one of my favorite companies to work for, I, I never knew that it could hit me when that store closed. Like it could hit me in the heart that it, it felt like we were breaking up family. Um, but we were, we were a family unit, but we had a lot of coworkers there, but there was this one older lady. She was like in her seventies. She was from Germany. Uh, her and her husband had lived in uh, Dallas for over 20 some odd years, maybe 30 or longer. Um, I had a dream about her cause she worked in the designer department. I did visual merchandising and uh, that's what I currently still do. I'm a visual merchandising manager. And so we were, uh, we were, basically walking in the rotunda uh you know which is this uh round room on the second floor marble flooring all different designers like escada armani collezione um escada uh saint john and so we're just kind of walking and we're admiring all the beautiful design designers and she goes isn't it beautiful and it kind of reminded me uh, of the scene in breakfast at tiffany's you know when she utters the words that nothing can hurt us here. Like we're in a safe place. Only good things can happen. And so it, that very much felt like that breakfast at Tiffany's scene. So she has me by my arm and we're just walking. And I hadn't thought of Ingrid in years uh, since we closed Saks. Um, and so anyway, you know, we all moved on after Saks had closed, but I had that dream about her. She's holding onto my arm. We're admiring all the designers. And we had a good long conversation what we talked about, I can't even remember, but I just remember it was a pleasant dream. And I get to work. I wake up. I get to work. And this was back when I smoked. And so I light up a cigarette, get on my phone, look on Facebook. This was back when I was on Facebook. And uh, Kim Gertz, she was the designer manager at the time. She had posted that Ingrid had passed away about a month earlier, but they were going to be holding services um, that following weekend and that if anyone wanted to go, you know, they could. And so she wow. had been dead for about a month, but they didn't have the service because she had family from Germany that wanted to come in because she was going to be buried here in Dallas with her husband. And so, um, wow, I, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Cause I said, I just dreamed about her last night. And I remember, you know, I tell my mom everything. So I text my mom and I said, you aren't going to believe this. I had this very vivid dream of Ingrid. We're walking. And of course I had to explain who Ingrid was because it wasn't like I ever really talked about Ingrid. And so talked about her and um, had a nice long chat. I wake up, go to work, look on Facebook and it's right there. She had passed and her services were going to be that following weekend. Wow. So I, there's nobody that convinced me that there is not something beyond this life. And my grandmother said some words to me that really hit me because when I was battling my own religious convictions or beliefs and, um, and not really knowing what to do with that, even at a young age, this was back in my early teen years, I remember her getting off the phone with one of her girlfriends and I guess they had been talking about religion, you know, people of other faiths. And if you don't know God, you're going to hell or something, you know, but 
yes, my grandma was a Christian, uh, a Southern Baptist and Southern Baptist. Let me tell you, they're just as bad as the Catholics <laughs> when it comes to, you know, like very strict, but they do do some hypocritical shit too, you know, but I would just remember my grandma saying, Oh, I don't think it, it was kind of under her breath, but she said it. I think she knew I could hear her, but I don't know how, I don't know if she knew that I would be taking it um, to heart because she says to me, I don't think it matters what you believe as long as you believe in something in the end, we're all going to the same place. And, you know, it's funny. I saw one of those life after death videos and this guy, I've always had this, this, um, good sense of knowing when people are genuine or when people are fake, uh, people that you can trust, people that you can't have all, I mean, not to say that I haven't misjudged some, but for the most part, I can get a good sense of a person and know if that's a genuine person, a good person. And I don't think that has anything to do with medium. That just has to do with intuitiveness and, um, uh, instincts and, you know, it, I remember when I was coming through this whole spiritual awakening, I realized that I did so much trying to keep up with the Joneses, you know, trying to keep up appearances. And I did it unknowingly, unknowingly, uh, you know, posting shit on Facebook, posting my trip to Iceland, posting my trip to Paris, posting my trip to, you know, wherever it was I was to Montreal when I would go up there frequently, you know, just posting all this shit. And, and then, and then, for what, you know, and then, but I mean, I'm not showing them pictures of a Honda Civic, <laughs> you know, so um, I say all that to say this, it wasn't until after that DUI that I really became spiritually awakened. I really started reflecting and looking at things, i.e. getting the podcast together. And, you know, as I'm sure where you are, um, you have those pretentious wannabe hipster areas you know, where, you know, they feed you something on a leaf or a piece of lettuce and, you know, they think that they're so trendy <laughs> yeah, or, um, you know, or some cheap ass latte that they sell for $10 with a little design on there. And that's yeah. really what sells it. But you can make it at home for practically nothing. You know, it's just, I look at people and I've said this before in my podcast, when I see people that wear labels, you know, like you see a lot of people that wear the name brands and this isn't any disrespect. It, it, this is just what it is. Those are people that need to be validated. You know, the, the, I mean, when you really truly think about it, when you get and I don't think they do it knowing that intentionally. But when you get downright to it. You you are you need validation, you you are. And I know what that looks like because I've been there. And so. You need to be validated, whether you know it or not. You have a lot of insecurities because if you didn't, you wouldn't have to flaunt all this and, and just, and, and you know, you really think that these tangible things validate and solidify who you are as an individual, but they don't. Um, if your job title, your tangible things were to be stripped away from you, who are you? That's the question. Who are you? Like, like, who are you really? You yeah. know, aside from tangible things, titles, zip code, what have you, who are you? Yeah. That is the most pivotal, pivotal 
important thing in life is who you are. Um, and, and I, and I truly try to live by that. I used to fly off the handle like no other. I, I, I now have reached a point to where if I know someone's wrong, there's really no point, And I should share this with anybody. There's no point in arguing. There's no point in arguing. Everyone has an opinion. They're like assholes. Everyone's got one. And, <laughs> you know, you, you just, you're not going to change the world by adding a comment, making a post about some bullshit out of your hundred to a thousand followers. You're just not. So, you know, there, there, there's no reason to be combative because everyone thinks they're right, you know, with their convictions and, and, and their ideology. And, and I'm not saying anything against that. I don't even have a problem with you believing differently than I do. It's when you force it upon me, you know, but even then I'm not going to react. I don't have time. I'm not wasting that energy on reacting to selfish pettiness. And that's not to be rude. That's not to put anyone down because I have to honestly say, and this sounds like bullshit, but it's not. I genuinely love those people. I love everybody. I, I, I don't even have to know somebody because that that's, that's what my faith tells me is to simply love, Yeah, to love thy enemy, love thy friends. And it can be hard. I'm not going to doubt that or lie about that. I'm not, I'm not over here trying to claim that I'm some guru because I sure as hell am not, you know, I got my own, my own demons, my own things to work out. But, you know, I, I would also add that while you're trying to reach your higher self and become that type of person that just lets things go, you're going to slip from time to time, but you're human. Don't beat yourself up. I mean, I, I, I do that a lot. You know, I, I used to say, um, you know, I meditated before work and then I got into traffic and then they just, you know, just all these things start happening. And I'm like, they just managed to kick the sand right out of my Zen. And, <laughs> you know, you, you try to be a good person, but they just won't let you. But really, it's you, you know, you can allow it to affect you. And I always tell people, remember this. There's a reason why you woke up late for work. There's a reason why someone shouted and yelled at you for a, for no good reason. Think of it like this. Just like this conversation is going on right now, there's a cause and an effect to this. You know, I might say something, just one little thing that might steer you in a different course tonight for tomorrow or the next yeah. day, just from simply this conversation alone. And I find that interesting how certain people that come into our life that have nothing to do with are you know the ultimate outcome but somehow inevitably shape that yeah. to lead you in that direction yeah man. you know i i find that fascinating the yeah. that um if you ever get a chance there's like i said all these things started happening to me it's almost like god was telling me watch this do this and 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 i'm generalizing god whoever that god is but um, I found it when I started thinking about synchronicity uh, right after I got out of the slammer and, you know, feeling, you know, really shitty and bad and poor about myself. But yet at the same time, I was feeling kind of spiritually enlightened 
I know it sounds weird because in that moment I decided I'm deleting all social media accounts. I'm going to find out who my friends are because I'm going to go MIA. Um, I just kind of need to do a lot of self-reflecting. And, you know, there were, I probably had about close to two, 2000 friends on Facebook. Um, and, and mind you, out of those 2000, most of them were from like when I used to teach acting and I would go to different cities through these third party companies for these uh, big uh, ripoff scam. <laughs> uh, I hate to say it, but that's what they were. These ripoff conventions, you know, like get in front. You ever heard those commercials where they say, uh, you know, have you ever thought about putting your child in Disney or Nickelodeon or, you know, yeah. I, I worked for one of those companies um, okay. on the side. And so I know how it all works, but I made connections that way. And I just wanted to see, because I was always will willing to lend advice to people, good, solid advice, even when I was working with this ripoff company, because I would always tell them in the class, if you don't get yourself an agent at this convention, I want you to contact me and we'll explore other options. Because I felt that that was the least I could do, you know? since I can't really tell them because this company is paying my salary, you know, I'm not the one that sold them on the packet deal, you know, and some of them do get picked up rightfully so, but there's others. It's all about selling the idea, selling the yeah. dream. Yeah. They're so, paying for something that they're not guaranteed. Exactly. But I mean, if you legitimately have talent, I say go for it. But the idea is they're just going to sell it to you and think, oh, we can get you up and ready in a couple of weeks. No, I mean, that's yeah. simply impossible. So I would always all offer them an alternative incentive. And I didn't have to. And before the DUI, out of those contacts that were in my phone, I had maybe uh, programmed in my phone probably about three or four hundred I would literally go through every single one of them. Mind you, these are clients that I've. I felt I developed and evolved a relationship with. And so I literally would call all of them within a two week cycle, call every single one of them in my downtime within a two week span. How's your family? How's your kids? What's your husband doing? What's your wife doing? Everything's good. Okay. Or if they called and needed some advice, I would stop in what I was doing and listen and give them that advice because I love the industry and I love giving them that knowledge that they need in order to, uh, you know, just pursue their dream. And so I did this on a regular, I mean, you talk about exhausted out of 400 people in my contacts in a span of two weeks. And then after two weeks was up and I'd done it, I do it all over again. You know, anytime I had downtime, it was all about making sure that they knew that I was there. If you needed something. I was there. After that DUI, I said, you know what? No, I, I can't do this anymore. I'm like, we're we're going to see who's there for me. And so um, you can you, you can have respect and love for other people, but you can't do it all. You know, so in that time away and off of social media, I was lucky because I always say this to you. You're lucky if you manage to make it through this life with five people, you know, or at least ones that you can count on one hand through this life, if, if you manage to keep them throughout your life. So, I mean, really, I can name five and that's the only ones I have, you know, that's including family and 
non-family, but they are family, you know, they're my family. So, um, you know, and it's just interesting after doing this podcast and meeting all these interesting people and their stories, you know, I feel like, you know, between Jen and Mondo, Deborah, Kevin, and um, David, I feel like maybe we all knew each other in a past life, you know, and maybe this is how we're connecting in this life. Maybe yeah. we were in the cosmos and said, you know what, they're going to have this little device called uh, podcasting. And, you know, a lot of shit in 2020 is going to get real. You're going to start talking about conspiracy theories, ghosts, supernatural. And that's where you guys are going to come together. So, yeah, you know, that's a good thought, man. Yeah. I mean, who's to say that, that that's not, um, um, you know, if, if that, that that's not how the game is played. Because... Mm. Uh, and, and without saying too much, but, you know, I, I, I have an, uh, an idea of who I was in my past life. And if anyone that wants to check it out, there's an episode on that on Mystic Ooh, Talk. Interesting, man. What what episode is that? If people want to go. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I don't know the episode number, but OK, so it was it was Joan Crawford. Uh, the I, I believe without a shadow of a doubt, that was my past life. Uh, there was a lot of things that she did. Uh, like one, she's from Texas. I mean, even though she's from San Antonio and I'm from Dallas, but you know, the, the synchronicity there and then her being in New York, I've lived in New York. I've spent time in Los Angeles. She's lived in Los Angeles. Uh, I never lived in Los Angeles, but I've, I've been. And so for work and stuff. And so, um, so I, and then I was very much a germaphobe as a kid. And, and if you had known me between the age of five to 10, I was told so many times as a young kid that I was an old soul and I would always be the one to, I'm going to wear my collared shirt with my sweater, my, with my sweater over it, you know, going to school. Like I was just like very, my parents weren't that way. You know, they were country bumpkins. Like they, but I had this thing about me that you've been you here know, before. Yeah. And they were like, he's like a little old man, you know, like the way he carries himself and, you know, uh, you know, he, he keeps things very neat and tidy. Uh, he takes care of his stuff. Uh, he appreciates like um, he appreciates those that appreciate him and very much like Joan. There was not one fan that she did not answer in a letter, like handwritten letter, asking them about themselves. And she actually had a lot of pen pal relationships with her fans. Um, and going back to those phone calls too, me calling everybody, um, you know, it was just something that you did because it shows gratitude. It shows that I respect you just as much as you respect me. And I just want to make sure that, that, that you know it. And maybe it was overdone and, and overzealous, but you know, it, it, yeah. it she yeah. was very OCD, much like myself, an OCD -er. Um, you know, uh, there, 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 there was just a lot of similarities between she and I. Um, and I actually, in the book, I write about this, uh, these parallels, in there um the first chapter talks about joan on her deathbed in new york city in her apartment reflecting and reminiscing on her career 
before she leaves her body and goes into the light. And then she comes out because she died in 76, I believe. Then she comes out into 1983 as Norman Mueller, who's the name of my character, because the name of the book is called The New Norm. Um, so the new Norman. And so, um, you know, she comes from that life into this boy. And I think that life works like that. You know, it's, it's kind of like a dream, you know, how, you know, you dreamed, but as the day progresses, you forget about the dream. It's like, I know I dreamed, but I can't recall what I dreamed about. Yeah. And you might get a flashback. You might get a flashback during yeah. the day. And then you remember so much of it. I've had that before. Yeah. And I think that that's kind of like when you take physical form and you come into this new existence, you got to relearn how to walk. I mean, I know what it is to break your foot because I broke my foot before and having to relearn, you know, like I, I, it's weird. I can't even explain when you break your foot and you're trying to relearn everything. It's like, I know how to do it, but yet I don't know how to do it, if that makes any sense. So, um, you know, when you're a baby, you're, you have to learn how to talk again. You have to learn how to walk again. Um, everything's new. So I think as time progresses, once you eventually learn how to walk, you learn how to talk, you forget all that. Much like a dream, you forget where you came from. And um, you start to accept that this is a 3D world or even 2D for that matter. You know, you, that that this is all there is. And we really won't know until we die. You know, it, it's pretty much been set to us as it's black and white, that this is what it is. Yeah. You know, I mean, even even as far as, you know, you've always had fortune tellers. You've always had psychic mediums. You've always had uh, these people since the beginning of time. But the reality is a lot of people might say they buy into it, but do they really buy into it? You know, they really do think of this as such a two or three dimensional world that it, it, it's it's just cut and dry but i i really do think if you open your mind I, I remember as a kid looking up in the sky and thinking if i stare long enough maybe i'll see something and i also thought somewhere in this life i'm gonna see significant change i'm gonna see I know I'm I'm going to live to see something, rather it be good or bad. I'm going to see something. I didn't know what it was, but look at what we're going through now. So yeah, it's man. kind of interesting. That, interesting yeah, times to come for sure. I I mean, I really hope this is as as the worst that it gets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope we're through the worst, but yeah, yeah, because it always gets worse before it gets better. But. Uh, I re uh, one other thing too, you know, it's funny about consciousness too. There, my mom and I were going through a photo album and there's a picture of me probably about two years old. Um, it was probably my, yeah, it probably was my, my second birthday. And because I asked my mom, she said, I don't know, you're probably about one or two. She goes, but you fell asleep in your cake. And I told her, I said, I know it was only one or two. And she said, yeah. And so I said, you know, it's funny. I remember being in that high chair. I mean, I don't remember it vividly, but I remember thinking in my head because there was a bunch of people there for my birthday. I'm in this high chair with this slice of cake and I wasn't getting uh, any attention from anybody. So I was like, fuck it. I, I, well, I didn't say that, but uh, I was like, I'm going to fall. I'm going to fall asleep. I'm going to pretend to nod my head 
and I'm going to fall asleep in this cake and that's going to get everybody's attention. And I did it. But I mean, how would I have known that that would get yeah. everybody's attention in the room at, at that age? Yeah, man. I find that just very interesting that, and, and that must be kind of what an old soul is, you know, that you're already kind of quick wit. You've been here a few times, you know how the, the game is played. You're learning um, faster. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, because I remember looking at that picture and seeing how little I was, but yet I remember consciously thinking, if I just nod my head and pretend to fall asleep in this cake, everybody will get a good laugh at my expense and somebody will come to this high chair and pick me up and, you know, I'll get out of here. <laughs> you know? So it's just weird that. Man. Being that little, not until we looked at those photos years later, I thought, wow, I was like, how could I have known that that's what it would take to get me out of this chair? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Yeah. yeah. So well, what was that? I was going to say, this has been a fascinating conversation. I've still got so many questions for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, what kind of questions? I want, I want to talk to you about your experience that happened literally – well, it's literally like three days ago now, isn't it? Well, what, what day are we on? I've lost track of the day. Yeah, uh, so Wednesday. Wednesday. So this happened on Saturday. So it's, yeah, five yeah. days ago. I mean, oh, it, it must be so fresh in the memory. Uh -huh. what, what an incredible experience! Did that? Did that day mean anything? I mean, could that possibly be the the time that he passed? The date, or uh, you know, um, the date that he passed. I don't, I would have to go and look back, but it was, it wasn't because I remember looking at everything. I don't remember. I knew he died in 1998. Can't remember the date. I think it was like in November or something. Um, so it's not far, uh, not far. Well, from, yeah. Yeah, I, I could be mistaken though. I could be mistaken. I'm not quite sure, but I, I, you know, it's funny. And when I feel like I've learned something, just like you said, somebody hits me with something that I thought, well, maybe I, maybe I need to go back and look at it again. And then I find out that there is something more to it. Yeah. Cause just like, what if I had not texted my mom? I mean, I just think that's so weird that she had the same dream that I did. And, and, and to tell people this, I know sounds absurd. And I'm going to be honest. I hear people all the time. I mean, not so much now I, I buy a little more into it now than I did in the past, but I would say before 2020, because you told me any of this, I might have nodded my head and then talked shit about you behind your back, you know, like, oh, yeah, they're crazy. You know, they're, uh, you know, they, they think they saw us and they just want attention. You know, like that's that was my mindset. And it's no longer um, the way I think, you know, my my partner, actually, his mom was a psychic uh, before she died, before she passed. And um we went to a, um, I don't know what they call it on Sp in Spanish because he he's he's Mexican, and um, um, they they've they've been in Texas back when his family can be traced back all the way back when Texas was Mexico. So they've been here since you know before Texas became a state, um, generations generations. So his mom, they went to some store. I don't know what they call it in Spanish. He tells me this name all the time and I can't believe I can't think of it off the top of my head, but it's a store in Oak Cliff, Texas. We went to, 
where they sell like sage, they sell uh, even some of the the blessed the uh, the saints that have been blessed that you know you can buy and take to your home to protect you. And uh, they also sell the candles that you light for the dead uh, or the I'm sorry the deceased. And then uh, they have tarot cards. And so I told uh, he noticed that I was playing around with some tarot cards that I had bought at Barnes Noble years back, you know, because I kind of fooled around with them back when I was about 21, 22 years old. I'm now 40. And so I just recently, this past couple of years, I forgot I even had the deck. And so when I found it, I started playing with them again. I still had the little booklet to tell me what things were. And, you know, I started, I remember that his mother did tarot readings. And so I asked him about them. I said, what's the significance of these cards? You know, what do they mean? Um, or, or how do you even lay them out? Like, I'm so confused. And then I, I learned that you kind of establish your own system. And I didn't know that. And because uh, I've been to different fortune tellers and, I, and I've seen them lay out cards differently. And so I was always so confused about how that even worked. And then he told me that, um, you can't see anything because you bought yourself those cards. But it's weird because I get so many mixed messages. And these are people that I genuinely believe know what they're talking about. Um, because I remember I told it to Deborah. I said, you know, my partner is going to get me some tarot cards for my birthday that have been blessed. And he says that in order for the tarot to work, they have to be a gift given to you. They have to be given to you in order for you to see and read the cards. And so I said, okay, that was the first Deborah had ever heard about that. So I don't know, you know, which is, but I'll tell you the weirdest thing is that the guy that worked at that store and he didn't tell me, my mom was with us that day. And so um, she had come over for the weekend we went joyriding around Dallas or what have you to some of the sites. And uh, we stopped by that store cause he was going to, get me the tarot card deck uh, for my birthday, but he had to go pick them out. Um, let, let me just back up a minute. He went there to ask the guy. So me and my mom are just kind of circling in the store, you know, looking at stuff and they're speaking in Spanish. So I have no idea what they're saying. And uh, it would only be later. Once we left the store, he told me and my mom that the guy told him that he has the ability to read cards and that the guy had asked him, did your mother read? And he said, yes, she did. You have the capability. He said, well, another person said that my niece was so was supposed to pick up where my mother left off. And he says, no, not the granddaughter, you, the son, you have the ability. And so he actually he's getting a deck for himself. So he's going to start looking into it. But I just find it interesting that these are, in my opinion, credible, credible people, credible, that I can speak. Um, you know, it, it, it is like, but you still get these mixed messages. Some people think it's this way or that way. And so I'm just going to kind of just go with it, follow my instincts because my instincts have never proven me wrong. Much like that feeling I had, so I think the ability is there. I just got to kind of find what works best for me. Yeah. And I, and I, and I feel more excited because of that situation that happened to me. You know, what was weird when that happened to me, 
everyone thinks they know what how they would react in those situations. Some would say I would have ran off. Some say I would have asked more questions. But when I guess when it's the first time it happens to you and you see it, I remember knowing it wasn't real, but knowing that in reality, someone is standing in my room. They're just not real, meaning they're not here alive, but they are here. And literally in this moment, I'm wondering, am I dreaming? But I'm wide awake. I am wide awake. I was like, but I have had dreams before. I'm second guessing myself. I said, I have had dreams where I've asked that same question in my dream, you know, yeah. like I, I'm did, awake. And did so you, did you stay up after that happened? Was that it? Was you up once that happened? No going back after, to sleep. Well, for about an hour. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I, I was up. And so I turned around, you know, facing the back of the, uh, or facing my back towards him, the the uh, to Brian, uh, and I just kind of I just counted to three with my eyes closed, but I didn't count it out loud. Just in my head, one, two, three, and then I said, "I'm gonna wake up," and I opened my eyes. I feel like it was that I want to make myself believe that this was a dream, but the, at the same time. It was very real. It wasn't a dream because you know when you wake up from something. I mean, yeah. I know that I felt me close my eyes and counted to three and voluntarily opened them. So, no, I I, I mean, I was awake. There, uh, but, you know, in that hour of being awake before I went back to sleep, you know, once I turned around and he wasn't there, I thought, well, I kind of felt bad because... I wish I had asked more questions. I wish because it was so real. I mean, there were these lights in here, not to mention I got this lamp over here that changes colors. So, and then the closet light where the dog crates are, the lights are on in there. So I vividly yeah. saw him. Yeah. I mean, it, there was no, you know how you hear some of these stories and I'm not discrediting anybody. I'm saying, I believe these stories, but they always say, you know, it was kind of dark. It was kind of this. No, I fiz I saw this dude. He was there in the flesh, or at least appeared to be like a physical person. And that's funny too, because one of the countdown to Halloween episodes, I just thought of it. I just thought of this. I just realized something. Um, Kendra, who I worked with at Saks Fifth Avenue, she wanted. She's been listening and following my podcast, and she's on a few of my episodes, but. She was on one specifically for the countdown to Halloween, and it's called um, Angels Something, but it's it says with Kendra Brown on there. It's on one of the 22 episodes. You, have to, you, you might want to take a listen to that one. I think you'd find it interesting. You might even want to have Kendra on your show because she um, told me the story about being pregnant, and she met this guy. She was living in Dallas from Abilene. Abilene's three hours from it's podunk country, what have you. So, you know, a lot of people are looking to move to Dallas opportunity and all that. And so she moves to Dallas. She's working at Collin Creek mall, uh, in the loss prevention, you know, uh, apprehending thieves and all that. And, um, she meets a guy that works there in the mall and, you know, they, um, 
get involved and like people that get involved, they sleep together while she gets pregnant. And she's in a place in her life where she's like, I can't have this baby. But at the same time, abortion is not in the equation. You know, she's not if, if it, cause she believes much like I do too. I used to not have these beliefs, but you know, I don't believe in abortion. So she, and neither does she. So she's committed to having this baby, but she's praying to God. Like, I just, I can't be a mother right now. If I have to be, I will, but it just, if you could do something about this, I'm just not ready to be a mother just yet. And so, um, I'm not even going to tell the story correctly. So, but in a nutshell, what happened was it made me think of my situation. She's laying in bed one night and she turns over and it's the guy who got her pregnant. He's in a suit. Um, he sits down on the bed next to her and holds her hand. I think that's what she said. Or he sits on the bed or something and he looks at her and says, everything's going to be okay. And she goes, okay. She said, I'm trying to figure out how he got in my house, but I turn over and I kind of, and it's funny because I did the same thing. Well, she turns over and she gets up and she realizes he's not there in the house, but she didn't go to sleep. She just went to lay down. And then all of a sudden he comes in the room in this suit and he says, everything's going to be okay. And I don't know if she got up or when this happened, but um, she started having contractions. So she calls her brother, goes to the hospital. And, you know, mind you, she prayed about not wanting to have the baby, but she wasn't going to get an abortion. So her brother took her to the hospital and she was in the um, she was in the hospital in one of the rooms and she goes to the bathroom and she literally squats the, the 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 fetus out and i guess there's like a protocol or a procedure where they might have to do a just you know like a a day procedure surgery after that kind of incident happens but the doctor comes and checks her out and says everything down there doesn't require any kind of you know any kind of surgical procedure this he says this is the first time i've ever seen a clean uh miscarriage where there wasn't any kind of medical attention required. He goes, so you're actually good to go. He goes, this is very bizarre. I've never seen a case like this. Wow. So I thought that was very interesting. That yeah, man. Somebody was, after she prayed about it, then here comes the guy that, well, I asked her about it. I said, so was it him? She goes, well, it wasn't him. Maybe it was a guardian angel that, that gave the appearance, you know, showed up as him to make her not scared that someone was in her house. But she was thinking like, how did he get in the house? The door's locked. And I said, and you're absolutely sure you were not asleep. She goes, no, I hadn't even had time to fall asleep. <laughs> so I just thought that was. Was she still connected? Was she still connected to the guy after this happened? Um, I think they stayed connected for a while, but eventually lost contact. So, uh, but I mean, she has two healthy kids now. Um, uh, one's already in high school, um, which is really weird to believe. Or no, he's in junior high. And it's still hard to believe because I remember when she told me she was pregnant. And so, uh, but it kind of was similar to what happened to me. I wake up from this dream after dreaming about this 
this guy, his mother, dreaming about his mother. I look over and there he is standing there in the flesh. And he, I had only seen him one other time um, back at church when he was 14. So I was about 10 years old at the time. Um, when he died, he was 18. So from 14 to 18, his appearance changed a little bit. Cause I remember when he did die, I saw the obituary and I looked at him. I said, Oh, he looks so grown. You know, he looks, he, he looks like a man, you know, doesn't look like a little boy. And so the guy that I saw, you know, it was him as a man, uh, you know, as he was when he died. I mean, I just recognized him and, um, uh, I, I knew that was him the shirt he had on, it would just be really interesting to know because like I said, I had never been in that house, but we always talked about that house. Like, Ooh, you know, they're living large, they're living good, the good life. And, um, never been in that house, but I had always like, because they always would have like little barbecues for the church at their property. So, and for some reason I would always not be available, which I would hate. So I always wanted to go in that house and in the dream, I saw that same staircase. I saw that same bedroom when the husband told her he was leaving for that, uh, for that stripper. And it was, con well, he didn't say stripper in the dream. I did find out later that he did leave her for a stripper. And funny enough in that dream, I remember thinking how slutty this girl looked like she was attractive, but she was kind of, you know, dressed, uh, you know, like showing a lot of skin. Yeah. Wow. And so those were, those were, that was information I didn't know. So for me to, you know, it, it kind of made me realize what psychic mediums actually mean, you know, when they're, when they're telling you what they see, but they're asking you as a question. I always wondered what that was all about. Now I know because it's like, I can only tell you what I'm seeing. Now it's being confirmed. Oh, well, she was a stripper. Well, that's probably, yeah. you know, the halter top with the, and then she had like stiletto heels, um, uh, I didn't get a look at the heels, but I just know she was standing tall. So I'm assuming she had on heels. Um, but it's what? just it, it, to see him in the fist. I mean, it, I'm still like this happened just last week. So I'm still I think it, I, not one day has gone by. This has not played in my head over and over because I keep thinking like I want it. I actually well, I want some time to pass, but I hope it does happen again. Because I think what I would have done differently is when he said my birthday is, I think I probably, it, it just caught me off by surprise. Yeah, that's so strange as well that he said that. Yeah, and I'm serious. Like these past few nights I've been going to sleep. I've been making excuses to sleep in this room because this is where it happened. Um, I didn't sleep in this room last night, but I'm actually going to try again Friday since it happened Friday, I mean, well, fell asleep Friday around 7.30. But then again, I don't know if I'm forcing it, but I'm going to try. I'm going to see what happens. But, you know, to, I wish I would have asked more questions, but I was, I really wasn't even sure what I should be feeling. Should I feel scared? Should I feel threatened? Or was, should I feel was, okay? Was you scared? Was, did you feel fear when it happened? I, I just remember thinking, this isn't real. I've got to be dreaming. I, I'm literally playing mind games in my head. Like, I, I don't really know what to think other than this is a dream. Like, 
like I'm literally saying, no, this can't be real. And there was a moment there where I actually thought about getting up to approach him. But at the same time, I'm like, do I really want to and realize that this this isn't I really thought I was going to give myself a heart attack if I got up. And, and stood the, I, I, there's just it, just racing. Your mind is yeah. racing and you really don't know what to, I really honestly, truthfully can't tell you if I was scared, if I, I was more in question mode, you know, but in all honesty, he didn't seem threatening, but I couldn't believe what I was seeing. It was really the ultimate thing. Like this can't be real as much as I wanted this to happen. And it's finally happened to me. And now I'm like a hypocrite and I'm like, no, this can't, this, this isn't real. Like, it, 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 I think it, a lot it, of people it, do that though. I think that's quite a common thing to sort of doubt yourself and yeah, um, try and make it logical in your mind. I think that's just, that's a normal part of the process. I think, man, but that's, that's hoping, an incredible experience. I'm just hoping that I can, you know, I hear, I hear story, you know, it's funny when you, when you hear certain people, Sometimes I believe them and sometimes I don't, I'm not too sure. Um, but this definitely takes on a whole other level for me now going, you know, cause I listen to podcasts on a daily. I've been listening to yours. So I'll go and listen to others, yours. There's one I like too. Um, um, uh, Michael strange from, uh, troubled minds. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, he, he's got some good stuff, but I kind of want to find some more podcasts on the supernatural and hear some of those stories because I just, <laughs> you know, really the ones that I do trust the most that I really want to just, I'm probably going to annoy the hell out of them, but Jen and Mondo and Deborah, because I know they're real. I know they're authentic, they're great. you know, yeah. and, and I, I know that they're the real deal. So I will be contacting them because it's just, I'm trying to make sense of it all because it's it, it nothing like other than what I told you about the night terrors, which can always be subjective, you know, did it, did it not? I mean, it was so long ago. I'm 40 years old. That was back when I was four or five. I, I mean, yeah. But there's still that question of when I was six and seven that I had that that knowing of being scared before I actually had something to be, actually be scared about, you know, the yeah. being chased. And how did I know that this was about to happen? I mean, I didn't know it was going to happen in that way, but I was already scared before the initial incident happened. So, um and, and it, funny enough, another thing, back when I was in fifth grade, I remember realizing that we had a psychic in the family, and I thought it'd be cool to go to school and tell everybody I was a psychic, just out of sheer fun. And so, and I was like, I'm going to teach myself to be a psychic. And then it kind of faded, you know, just because I kind of got some backlash at schools for it. So I just kind of, you know, left it alone. But maybe it's always been yeah. there, you know. Sounds but like it, you uh, are, man. Sounds like you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I just never really, I, I, I think I've always believed that this is, we, we live this life. I've never believed in demons. I never believed in possession. 
And I guess it could happen because, like I said, I'm more open-minded these days and in, in the possibilities. I mean, much like uh, I had a guest on my show who um, we were talking about a lot of other things, but in passing, we talked about Bigfoot. And I said, I don't know if I believe in Bigfoot. And so she said, well, I have some people that, you know, they're well-educated, well-respected in their community. And, you know, they don't have anything to gain from lying, but they claim that they've seen a Bigfoot, you know, that they had a Bigfoot. So it just makes me wonder now, I mean, maybe there is a, a Bigfoot. I, I don't know. I, I just, I think I'm more wanting to keep an open mind about these things as opposed to just blowing it off as fiction or blowing it off as, you know, tall tales because, you know, we can't know everything, you know, even like, growing up in a church where they tell you this is how you live this is what you do this is what get this is what will get you in the kingdom of heaven this is what will get you in hell how do you know because if we're being honest the book was written by mortals it was written by men who were inspired inspired keyword inspired to write the word of god and in red text was actually what god said so you know, like when anyone tells me that being gay is an abomination, right? You know, because I try to always make sense of that. I say, well, if you read the red text, God said, if you listen to my word, you shall get in the kingdom of heaven. Well, everything that's in his word is in red text in scripture. The part about the men lying with other men, that's all in black text. So that was from an apostle who was inspired to write at the time, because Christianity was government at one time, you know, it played significant politics in, in dictating people's way of life. I mean, think about it. Back in the Salem witch trial, how stupid was that? That you, the only way to find out if you were a witch was if I put you in this water and you die. Oops, I guess you weren't, you know, like, well, there's yeah, no man. coming back from that. So, you know, we, we, we've progressed as a society. I mean, even though we're kind of going back because we can't even tell you what a fuck a woman is, but um, <laughs> we're kind of going backwards, but um, I, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's, uh, I, I try to, I try to keep an open mind to think, I think we like to think we know it all, but there is so much out there that we really don't know, you know? 100% man. Yeah. And w when I was at university, uh, I dabbled a little bit in, um, you know, religious classes. And I asked a professor of mine, I said, how do you know what religion is right from the ones that are wrong? You know, from, you know, I have Jewish friends, I have Muslim friends, I have, uh, uh, I even have Buddhist friends and uh, Hindus. Um, how can you tell me? that they're wrong, especially when that faith has been instilled in you since day one. You know, you, you can't really break that once it's instilled in you. I mean, you can, but it's very hard to do. And um, you mean to tell me they're going to hell? I mean, what, what what's the deal? And so he said, think of it as, he said, they all basically have the same kind of message, which is promoting good. And then he said, it's like when you play the game telephone, you know, you start a secret and say you're sitting in a group of 30 kids. 
by the time that secret gets back to you, it's different, but yet some of it's still very similar from when you started the secret initially. But think if out of those 30 people, including yourself, there's probably about five or six different interpretations there. So really, when you think about it, maybe religion is all a subjective interpretation. I mean, yeah. it legitimately was written by man. You know, I'm not saying it's a bad thing or we should dismiss it, but I don't think we should take it as literal as we do. And I, and I really do think that, and that's, I'm not saying let's throw religion out, but I do believe that, you know, I think we're being, um, I think the biggest problem in humanity is ego, you know, because it's always about I'm right, you're wrong. I'm proving a point. So, yeah. um, but I don't know. I'm really, I, I'm eerily excited about exploring everything that had transpired Friday going into Saturday night, you know, um, I'm going to be getting in touch with Deborah, maybe see if there's something that I can tap into and especially, especially getting the tarot cards and maybe, maybe I can, you know, figure out what works best for me in, 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 in these cards and how to read them and interpret it. Um, I don't know, life, um, you know, you think at this point you'd have all your issues solved or, you know, you're, it's like I'm still growing. I'm still learning. Hundred percent. Hundred percent, man. Yeah, yeah. We're growing every so day. I, that's the that's the thing. We grow yeah. every day. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's pretty much. And like I said, um, the, the book when it comes out, it's pretty much telling the story of all these different things that I've just laid out for you, but combining it in a fictional way. Because I always thought it would be interesting. What if I had met my partner? And what if I had met my best friend um, as kids? Like, what would our life look like? So I basically tell the story by taking composites of characters uh, from childhood and kind of combining it with the two of them as if we met as kids, their family. So um, if you like throwbacks, you know, make a lot of 80s reference uh, into early 90s. Love that. Um, I I do believe in uh, vibrational frequencies. You know, I do believe, um, oh, that was the one thing I left out. Another incident that happened to me going into music because my my chapters in my book are all named after songs from artists. And, um, and there's a reason for that because as I told you earlier, my grandmother communicates through me by that song by Elvis, Suspicious Minds. Um, Stacy, my friend, her mother, Martha, when uh, we went out to the gravesite, my partner went with me. And uh, Martha was very much a hippie. You know, she loved the 60s. I mean, she was stuck in a time warp. Like, everything was about the 60s. And so um, every time you talk to her, I wish I could go back to the 60s, you know. Uh, and she loved Jim Morrison from the doors that was her favorite band uh so stacy spoke about that in her eulogy that how she loved rock music she loved the doors and and when my partner and i excused ourselves from the gravesite and we we're walking back to our vehicles 
I told him, I said, you know what? I said, Martha loved rock, but she also loved Sade. And I said, we kind of shared that same bond because I like Sade and she liked Sade. So um, I said, that's kind of where we met in the middle when it came to music was Sade. And no sooner than I said that, I get in my car and turn the car on, uh, a Sade song comes on. Oh, wow. Uh, it was Kiss, Kiss of Life was the name of the song. And so... I don't know if that was one of her favorites. And then probably about a couple of days after I'm thinking about her, thinking about her. Uh, and I go into Starbucks, get my coffee and I come back out. And like I said, it's not on my playlist, but uh, the doors riders in the storm come on. And wow. like I said, that's, that's her favorite, favorite band. So I knew she was talking to me. Yeah. Letting me know she's that she's okay. So that's awesome, and, and it's, but it's funny, you know, that this, this is real because it really hit me hard because I said, she's literally talking to me. Nobody can convince me. I know she's talking to me. Yeah. So it's just, it, it, I, I think that, um, um, like I said, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm so new to this. I'm connecting the dots as we go. So um, I'm very interested to see what's, what's, what's to come what's going to happen um and interesting enough when i went through my dui and that was when i started this whole spiritual path eventually leading into the podcast and eventually writing the book there was like i said going back to synchronicity don't know how i found it it just kind of fell into my lap but i watched a lot of youtube and so it was a two-part mini series about shirley mclean it was called uh, a made-for-TV movie from her book adaptation called Out on a Limb. So if you want to check it out, it's a two-part. It's called, you type in Out on a Limb, Shirley MacLaine. There'll be a first and a second part. But that fell into my lap. And when I watched it, it's all about her going through the spiritual awakening at 40. And uh, she goes to Peru to look for aliens. Like she's on this whole, like, adventure this is a real story this is actual real events that happened to her and she's telling it and playing herself in this uh made for tv movie and there's like i said there's also a book it's called out on a limb but they made it into a movie but that really was the the film that got me into gear of putting this podcast together while i was going through my whole probation period dui um because i was like because I had that thought about synchronicity. I had that thought about how everything is happening as it should. There are no accidents. And the minute I watched that movie, that was one of the first things that they talked about was synchronicity. There are no accidents. And I said, no, that's, I said, that's trippy was just a, and I found that to be a routine with me now that I've become spiritually awakened or whatever, whatever you want to call it. I don't know if you call it spiritual or just on this spiritual journey, I guess, not spiritually awakened, but spiritual journey is that when I started to listening or, or found Dolores Cannon, I remember I kind of made up my own um, synopsis, I guess, on how life works. Like I told you earlier about how we choose our life. Why would we choose this life? But if you know that you're going to go home at the end of the day to, you know, blissfulness, then why wouldn't you pick a life of struggle? Much like when you watch a movie that makes you cry. Why did I do this to myself? Because you wanted the experience. 
uh, it's kind of like when you play uh, games as a kid, you know, I'm sure you've played house where you were rich. I'm sure you played house being like, oh, we're poor. We're about to get kicked out, you know, and, you know, you, you but at the end of the day, you go home, you know, so everything's good. So I don't think that we should stress as much as we do, because, you know, I look back on a lot of things in life and I think I stressed over nothing because guess what? I'm still right here. I'm still blessed to have heat, AC, running water, my house, my partner, my home, my dogs, you know, my cat, my mother, friends, uh, people like you, everybody, because, you know, this is, this is really what life is about is the experience. And so when I started putting my own hypothesis together on how I think all this works, like I shared earlier, I found Dolores Cannon and it was like, every time I figure out something, I listen to something that actually validates what I already figured up on my own. So it, it's kind of cool to, to, to know that you came up with this, but yet it was already out there, you know? So uh, it lets cool, me man. know, it lets me know I'm, I'm on the right track. It's almost like clarity. Yeah. It's awesome, man. Well, it sounds like in a way you're just in the beginning of your journey, which is yeah. really cool. Um, yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your all your experiences, man. It's been awesome. Super interesting. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. Yeah. It was likewise. Um, it's been a pleasure, uh, man. Yeah. Thank you so much. Will you keep I us really posted if, if your friend comes back? Um, and, and, will you keep us posted if your friend comes back and you have more experiences we'd love to know if uh if anything else happens with that oh yeah i'll definitely keep you guys posted too so um cool. but, th but thank you again for having me um i'm always looking to get the word out there um uh I've, I've been trying to get the word out as much as i can as possible about the podcast um i i i really think even though we're living in crazy times i think we're also getting to a point to where it's kind of like the tale of two cities It's the best of times, but yet it's the worst of times, because I think we're all at this. Um, we're reaching this three going from 3d to 5d. Now, you know, we're, we're at a higher vibration. Yeah. Um, I, I think that technology, even though I've talked a lot of negative, um, put a lot of negative input on technology, but there's also a lot of positive in technology. It's bringing people together. Yeah. It's, 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 it's bringing people together to critically think, you know, like I have an idea, you have an idea. And then together, maybe we come up with this conclusion, you know, or this uh, hypothesis on how things are supposed to operate or work. But, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, technology is good. You know, it's, it's bringing us all together. And I think we're having more conversations because I, you couldn't get this back in the nineties or even the early two thousands, you know, yeah, so it's kind of cool that, we have these apps and these abilities to put our message out there into the, into the world. Yeah. For so. sure, man. Bobby, this has been absolutely awesome, brother. I appreciate you so much. Can you tell yeah. the listeners where they can find you and your show? Uh, they can uh, follow me on Instagram or even TikTok at mystic talk. Uh, just look for the little tree of life icon. Uh, they can also take a listen to my podcast on Spotify. Unfortunately, that's the only platform you can listen to it on at this moment. 
just type in Mystic Talk. Uh, should be the first one that pops up. Awesome, man. And we will share all your links in the show description. Bobby, thank you so much, man. This has been awesome. And keep us posted with, with what comes next. All right. Thank you, Tommy. darkness and then you see a figure but it's darker than the darkness i just get this like really creepy feeling and i see this uh this like shadowy demon looking figure in the front seat of the car she used to come into my room at night and stand right by my bed and i just was petrified i remember i saw something fly by my bedroom window we heard the bathroom door shut so then we looked out my bedroom window down the hallway and the bathroom door was wide open so we came around the bend and we saw eye shine. This thing stood up. I mean, it stood up. And it had high pointed ears. It had a snout, had a long arm, and it just, it grabbed the deer. What?